2: goals to win for Christ's sakes and you keep talking about the CBT you keep talking about prospects and your long-term goal like you just basically told us we ain't good enough we suck you let us down a hole the size of I don't even know what in that bullpen keep playing like dog
1: Recall call my manager Lou
2: go get me a goddamn first baseman that's what I want I don't want an outfielder D8 I need a first baseman
1: okay Lou I'll ask you something what
2: how do you go into the season without a closer? How do you not address the closer situation? Lou, what's up, bro? Good, how are you doing? Good. Well,
1: it's always great to have you here, Lou. Ladies and gentlemen, we will get to our friend Louis Marloni in mere moments. Lou, oh, he's not even on the phone. Oh, he's, on he's the, not on the he's phone. On, he's on oh, access. Yes. Oh, he's on the access. Whoa. I apologize. This is well. a big. This is the. Wow. Joining us now on the Harbor One hotline is Lou Maloney from his toilet. Lou, how are you? <laughs> Hola, amigos. I missed you. Oh, my God, Lou. Uh, what are you even doing with yourself?
2: Well, I tell you, um, I had a couple of nice days planned. You know, Bed Bath and Beyond, Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: were looking for a Bed Bath & Beyond? It's like Fourier <laughs> sending you to that diner in San Francisco. No, <laughs> oh, it was in San Diego. <laughs> oh, San Diego, sorry. <laughs>
0: San Francisco. Uh,
1: Trying to
2: keep myself busy. Uh, no myself golfing
0: busy. today, huh? I was nervous that you'd be able to somehow try to squeeze at least maybe nine in.
2: No, a little bit of rain. Did that a little earlier in the week. I got something going on next week. So, you know, I'll play a little couple times next week.
1: Well, you know, golf returns to Fenway Park with Fenway Swing from uh, November 1st through 5th. Tee-off from the bleachers with the iconic Fenway uh, Park serving as your backdrop. Nice VIP packages are available. Uh, for more info, go to redsox.com/slash Fenway swing. Will you be taking some swings over there, Lou?
2: Why not? Are you kidding me? It's probably um, the only time I can hit one out of Fenway.
1: Oh. <laughs> That's a brag, though. <laughs> because you can. None of us can. i st- we'd stand up there and flail away for God's sakes. Just like the Red Sox Lou are oh, flailing boy. away and trying to get a general manager. Let's just get right to this because I don't know if you've heard uh, Fourier and I talk about this. I'm just going to assume you do not know where we stand. As you see it, Lou, what is the biggest reason why some of these high-end candidates won't even come in to take an interview for this Red Sox GM job?
2: Well, I mean... I, don't, I feel like when, when this search started, like it shouldn't be a surprise. We we had said that this is kind of been one of the concerns coming in here. Like the, a lot of these guys have security, um, they're comfortable in certain situations. You're looking at successful organizations; they have a good thing going on. And when you look at the history of general managers here, you know the first two guys won a World Series and was fired, and then you had Heim Bloom, who was brought in here and he got fired after four years. So the job security, I totally get it. And the other thing was one of the criticisms when Bloom was hired that he didn't bring any of his own people in here, that it was just Red Sox people, and they're all the same ones that's still around, including the manager. So I could that, that was always going to be a concern when you're trying to find somebody that's going to come over here, move his family wherever it may be, and they just want a little security, they want control, they want their people. It's not to say that you're not going to find somebody who is, you know, okay with all of it, but at the
0: same point, that's obviously been a concern. I mean, it's sometimes like, you know, we were having this discussion. It's almost like, yeah, you know, Gresh was painting the picture of John Henry being like Al Davis. Yeah. Temperamental, you know, inconsistent. Al Davis and Howard Hughes at the same yeah. time. Yeah, I don't know. Do you see it that way? Well, I, I feel like it's just kind of up
2: and down, a little bit of a roller coaster, right, with him, whether it's like, you know, you – Um, Ben Charrington, like he's protecting these prospects and this isn't working. We want to win. Let's go to Dave Dombrowski. And then you realize you just hired like a gunslinger, you know what I mean? Who's out there wheeling and dealing and signing people to big contracts and stars and scrubs sort of attitude. And let's slow that down. Let's go to Hein Bloom. Then you realize he doesn't want to pull the trigger on any prospects, you know, doesn't want to make any trades. So it's, it's like, you know, if you're interviewing for it, yeah, you're almost, you're interviewing this organization. You're interviewing John Henry. What is my goal? What do you really want me to do? Because I want to make sure if I achieve my goal, that I'm still going to be here, good or bad. You know what I mean? Whatever the marching orders are. So I just feel like it. Kind of the communication has to be there as well. They have to sell themselves to this organization to whoever the candidates are to let them know that there's some security here and we're behind you.
1: I do not view Cora as an impediment, but would a general manager Lou coming in from the outside? would they view Cora as one of the bigger roadblocks in their way to kind of doing maybe what they want to do? I wouldn't
2: think so. I wouldn't think so at all. I would think it's more about other front office people because quite mm-hmm. simply, you kind of come in here and managers get fired all the time. You know what I mean? So you can walk in here, and, it's, and Alex Cora is well-respected in the game. The, the point is is that we, we can hang out, we can you know be friends, and you could be my manager, but if I don't like where it's headed, I can move on from you next year. You know what I'm saying, so it's it's. I I don't think that is like that big of a roadblock because I do think he's well respected. I think a lot of people realize, you know, he's a good manager, a good communicator, and and somebody you you can work with. Is it ideal? Maybe not, but for others, he might have been their first choice anyways, right? So I I don't think so.
0: So uh, talking to Lou Maloney. and Lou, I've been pushing this whole just suck a little thing for the Patriots. I don't know if you've been seeing it. It's not working, Lou. No, no, it's not working a lot. They're not listening. So I don't know what it didn't work for the Red Sox either. By the way, you know when you when you originally coined that phrase, maybe I don't know, maybe eight years ago. Hell, who knows when it was? Bullpen just suck a little. Yeah, just suck a little. No one's listening. Um, back to Henry. Yeah. Okay. The other part of this discussion we were having was this idea that uh, any general manager, Alex Cor, anyone in a position of of power, right? The manager or whoever's running things, right? has to go through Sam Kennedy like there isn't like a direct line of communication to John Henry. I think that I think that he is easily accessible to those that matter. Right? If, if Cora has a problem get on the phone I can call him directly. It's not like he has to go through Sam Kennedy and it's a game of telephone. How how what do you how do you see his relationship with managers and GMs?
2: Uh you know that's something that to be honest with you I'm not really sure. And well, how do you, and I, what do you think 100% it is? I wouldn't you know I wouldn't be 100% sure. That core is just calling up John Henry. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know. No,
0: no, no. Don't crash. Don't give me the uh huh. He didn't agree with you. He doesn't know is what he's saying. Yeah, I don't know. So, but but I'm
2: just saying. Like, here's the thing. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I want my owner more involved, and I know that's part of it. Like he's detached from the whole team. But if I'm a general manager, if I'm player of baseball, a director of baseball ops, if I'm the manager, like. I don't need my owner to be involved unless he's roadblocking me to the ability to go out and sign guys. So if John Henry is willing to sort of hire somebody, trust their analysis, trust the manager, trust the GM, whoever it may be, to say this is the player that we need, as long as he says okay, you know what I mean, then I'm fine with him not being around. Like, that's the whole thing. I think the owner kind of just... Just write the checks, give me the okay to go out and go over the luxury tax, go out and sign this guy long-term. And if you do that, you can hang out wherever you want. You know, you can go to Pittsburgh, you can go to Europe. I I don't really care. It's just as long as you're giving me the okay.
1: It feels like we're on to the B-level candidates. Am I wrong in that?
2: You know, I I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think, like, for me, it's like the A-level candidates to me was Mike Hazen. And I think that's an extremely personal matter out there. He got an extension and go along with his assistant as well. A guy that might've been interested in these other guys are all flawed. Like, you know, like I'm I, James click. I, I don't really know a lot of these guys taking their names out of the running. You know, I'm looking at like, okay, who's the perfect GM out there? Like, you're not going to get Dodgers in Houston and in, in Philadelphia, Dombrowski, a guy that was actually trashed for destroying and bottoming out this organization. But now everybody loves him now because he's winning again, which is what he always does. But, Anybody you hire is going to be flawed. That's just the bottom line. Like you can get pissed off that some dude from the Twins doesn't want to interview for the Boston Red Sox. I want nothing to do with the Twins. They pinch hit their three-hole hitter in the third inning. Like I want nothing to do with this over-analytical, it's out of control. So depending on where they fall into it right now, I, I don't know what the A candidates were for me other than a guy like Mike Hazen.
0: So do you think that they're maybe panicking a little bit? No, I
2: don't. I mean, I think in the beginning they said that it was going to be a broad search and it was going to take some time. So we've got what eight people that have been like I'm good and there's another eight people. I mean, what do we got though? We have the twenty people that they've sort of looked into. So that's a pretty broad search, you know. I don't know where they settle. And I think if you want to attack them, no matter who they they sign, you know, or they decide, that I think it's going to be easy for you because I think everybody is flawed. You know, you could look. I, I like Bre- Craig Breslow being involved. You know, I look at Chris Young, the guy down in Texas, what he's able to do, very smart, analytical, I get it. But at the same point, they're players. They would never abandon a team in the deadline. They know what that feels like. Look, what, look at what Chris Young is doing out in Texas. <laughs> like, he's just giving them everything they need, and then it's up to the boys. So as much as your analytical brain works, you, you still have that clubhouse feel. You know what a clubhouse feels like. You're an ex-player. So I like him being involved in some way. Um, I don't know where this thing goes. Eddie Romero, Craig Breslow in some sort of role. There you go. I think that's kind of, for me, that's where I feel like it's kind of heading.
1: It seems like it with all of the people and the holdovers that are within the organization. Apparently, Lou, Tom Verducci has mentioned the name Gabe Kapler. I don't know how well you know him. Do you know him? Is that a guy that fits front office?
2: Yeah, you know, I like Cap an awful lot. Um, I don't know if he fits front office stuff. You he's know, he's like an
1: overthinker, isn't he? Isn't he, he like hardo analytic guy? Yeah, I mean he's he's into the analytics, you
2: know, and I mean everybody is. It's almost that that's almost like an organizational feel. And he was back when he was with the Dodgers as well. Very smart guy. And and again, we're talking about like for me, and, and I know they sort of have the, all these assistants already in place. And there's some very qual you know, qualified people. I get that. But it's about bringing in new blood. Like if Kapler was here in some other capacity or, or, you know, Breslow's the GM, Eddie Romero's the president of baseball ops, and you start bringing in different thoughts, different ideas, that's kind of what it's all about. The other day I mentioned this guy, Sig Meidel, who's with Baltimore. He was with Houston with Cora. He's now in Baltimore. Cora waxed poetically about him for about 10 minutes in a dugout, talking about how he's the best analytical guy in the world. Now, he is super nerd. There's no question about it. He's assistant GM down in Baltimore, but I'm not saying president of baseball ops. But how do you get him in the organization? How do you get more minds in the organization thinking a little bit differently?
0: So um, we had uh, some sound, playing some sound from Pedro Martinez talking about uh, how he believes that Otani he has a he has a good feeling that Otani mm. is going to be a Red Sox. Go. What do you think? Are you starting to believe it a little bit more, feel like it's more possible than than you originally thought when this whole thing first was kind of brought up? I always thought it was kind of possible. You're going to hear them involved
2: in them. You know, uh, it, th- to me, this is a question of, you know, is it a one-year or a two-year thing, you know, for the Boston Red Sox? Do they sort of look at the free agent arms this year and say, let's grab one of them? Maybe the big trade is a big ticket. You know, maybe there is a big signing with a guy like Otani. We know it's a huge PR move, and obviously he's a good pitcher, you know, a good player. And then in 2025, he's a pitcher for us to go along with the guy we signed this year. So we've sort of taken care of, you know, year one, I expect them to be a playoff team next year. They should do everything they can to be a playoff team. Now in 25, there's a lot of money that comes off the books. Is that the year where all of a sudden the signing of Otani as a DH for one year turns into the unicorn again because he's now a pitcher And 2025 is when you're really a World Series contender? That could be the case. I think they'll be involved with him. I think they should be. I'm more of a I need it now type of thing, and I don't need a DH uh, you know, guy that can't pitch, who can't play defense, because those are the two areas I need to improve. So... I might have more of a short-term look at it and not looking at the big picture because, obviously, he'd be a huge splash.
1: Uh, Lou Maloney with us on the Harbor One Hotline from his palatial estate where now <laughs> he can go back to watching what are you doing, Sanford and Son reruns. What are you doing? I watched You're Rambo
2: 2 this morning.
1: Oh, boy. It was awesome. Look
2: out. Hey, Lou. Murdoch, I'm coming for you.
1: Lou, What's up?
0: how about our boy Burt Young dying? Don't bring it up. I, I know. Can't. I feel I like – I, like, I know, right? It was – Spent a lot of time thinking about our boy Burt Young and Paulie. Well, yep. the greatest character actor of the history of cinema.
1: Yep. Why, why do I feel like Lou, Christian, and Lanny could have done the eulogy for oh, Burt Young at the funeral? Easily. It would have been better than whomever they're rolling out. We're going to do a yep. Rocky podcast. That was, that was a tough one. <laughs> there you go, Rocky podcast, <laughs> Lou Yin.
2: That was, a, that was a tough one when I got the news. That, that was not fun. That's hey,
1: not. Uh, thank you, uh, brother, and uh, thanks for siding more with me than Christian. I appreciate it. We'll talk nah. to you soon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Have a Later. great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. There
1: goes uh, Lou Maloni at Lou Marloni on Twitter. He is with us on the uh, Harbor One hotline. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.